Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is, Are You a Free Spirit? And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hello everyone, welcome. My name is Roland. The program is called Shedding Shackles. I'm in my 32nd year now on air. We live in the most troubled times, ladies and gentlemen. And troubled times exert a pressure upon people. You see, there are so many different kinds of pressure. Even impatience is a pressure, isn't it? If someone is impatient, you feel a pressure. Someone who uh, disapproves of what you are doing or saying, you feel there's a pressure, generally, don't you? Maybe you're lucky. If you have a lot of guts, if you grew up um, where you had quite a bit of freedom and you weren't terribly pressured, or if you have if you're a contrarian and you have a free spirit, you're you're like Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer or Alfred E. Newman. Remember from Mad Magazine? He used to say, what, me worry? Then you have what they used to call a blithe spirit, a devil-may-care attitude. And you do what you do, and you don't care whether other people like it or not. <laughs> what, a, what a nice way to be that is, and there are people like that. They are so refreshing and so wonderful. But most of us, most of us, we succumbed to pressure when we were kids. And whether it's the pressure from parents who criticize or emotionalize, or the pressure from teachers from the school system, the pressure from bullies, the pressure from bureaucrats, whether it's success pressure or peer pressure or drug pressure or peer group pressure, or achievement pressure, or academic pressure, or mandate pressure. It's pressure, pressure, pressure. Well, pressure has uh, some very bad effects upon us if we don't learn how to deal with it properly. And the way to deal with it properly is, like I said, to be like Huckleberry Finn, or Alfred E. Newman. Or remember there was a movie. What was the name of the movie? It's an old movie now, see. When you get to be a bit older, then you start to bring in examples that are from long ago, and people who are real young can't relate to it. But it's the only movie I can think of right now, and it's called. it was called Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, it was a wonderful movie because Ferris Bueller had a blithe, carefree spirit. And the principal was a bully and a dictator. And it was fun to watch the principal get his comeuppance and Ferris Bueller to just go about all the things that he was doing. So it was a lot of fun. Well, that's the way life is supposed to be supposed to be fun. So how are you going to regain that? 
how are you going to regain that? Most of us are totally beaten down, and we are totally bamboozled. We become afraid to speak up to an authority, anybody with a white jacket on, or anybody who looks like a teacher that we had, or anybody that looks like a like a bully that we used to know in at school, or anybody that's critical and nitpicking like your older sister was, or who didn't seem to approve of what you were doing, like your mom, or someone who rejected you or was distant to you, like your dad, or see what I mean? You could go down the long list of of people whose actions and their words and their gestures conveyed a subtle disapproval or an overt disapproval of you. And some people, you know, some people, I remember there was a nice psychiatrist, and I can't think of his name now, but, and he he helped people with schizophrenia. And he said that when he would encounter their parents, you know, the, the schizophrenic person and the parents, he said the parents, he noticed that a lot of them had a, a negativity and a, and a, what's the word to put it? Yeah, a critical attitude toward the person with schizophrenia. It was like he couldn't do anything right or everything he did was wrong. Something like that. Well, you know, some of you, I'll never forget a person once said, he said, it's one thing not to speak up to someone. That's one thing. But it's another thing to be incapable of it. See, some of these people have been so put down. The point I'm getting at is that they were so hated as children. They were hated and unwanted. And they were. It, the message was always that they were in the way. They began to feel like there was a pressure upon them to not even exist. The hate that came toward them was such that it hated their being. And such people can become very, very negative, and they have a very low self-esteem because they've been hated, and people acted like they would prefer that that person not even be there, not be around. You see what I mean? So it can be overt, but it can be very, very, very subtle. But we're talking about pressure today. And I want you to see that that pressure. So let's talk about the people in Germany, for example. Look what happened to the people in Germany. A nice people with a, a nice culture. And uh, look what happened. Because of the pressure, they ended up, many of them conforming to the pressure and just going along with what Hitler was doing. Some of them knew that bad things were happening, but some of them went along with it. Some of them excused it. Some of them thought it was good, the bad things. And so Hitler ended up starting a world war, didn't he? So you saw that in Hitler, Germany. You saw it in, in Stalin's Russia. Well, now you see its ugly face rearing here in the United States, dictatorship. You see it. And what kind of a dictatorship is it? Well, it's hard to... It, see, the, the, the ones that you see, you know, they're the, the technocrats and the, 
and the uh, medical bureaucrats and those types. Those are the ones that you see, but something is behind it. Something is behind it. And whatever is behind it can't be good because it's a terrible, terrible pressure. And under this pressure, like I was saying in my last program, half the country is asleep and the other half of the country is awake or waking up. Now, let's talk about pressure. How do you come out from under the pressure? Well, you have to wake up. You know, you've always gone along and did what the teacher said and what your bureaucrats said and what the officials said and what your parents said. And they said, what a wonderful person you were and all that. And then all of a sudden one day, there you are doing something awful, which they're telling you to do. And then you suddenly say, oh my God. You know, it's like the morning after the night before. You suddenly realize, you see what you're doing and you, you suddenly wake up and you look at all the nice bureaucrats and you look at all the people going around doing their duty, you know, to help keep the dictatorship going. You look at them and you see that they're all mad or asleep. So now there you are. Now you see what's going on. But now it's kind of scary because, you know, it's like you're, you're waking up behind enemy lines. All around you are people, some of them, are hypnotized. Remember there was some kind of a movie where there was some kind of something that came from outer space. And I can't remember the movie very well, but it had something to do with like these big flowers or something, and they would suddenly spray pollen all over a person, and then the person became a zombie. And then as a zombie, his job was to go around and convert other people to become zombies just like him or her. Then toward the end of the movie, there was one person there that was awake, I think there was a man and a woman. See, I don't remember the movie. But there was a man and a woman, and they were both awake, and they were trying to survive, and everybody else was zombies, and everybody else was trying to get them and, and also make turn them into zombies. And I think at the end of the movie, I can't remember for sure, but in one of those movies, the, the guy came back home or something, and then he was going to talk to the lady who was the only other person he knew that was awake, and then she, she looked at him with zombie eyes. And it turned out they'd gotten to her too. So some people are awake and they're speaking up. But you know what? When you are awake and then when you start to speak up, then what do you have? You have the truth. You have the truth. And the truth is very beautiful and it's very powerful. But when people are asleep, they don't want to see it. They don't want to see it. I'll never forget one time I used to I used to give little talks and they were nice talks. They were like, you know, helping people to be more positive in the workplace and to be more effective in, in the workplace and have better human relations in the workplace. I used to do that a little bit. And I had a little presentation and I had given a speech somewhere to I think it was the Rotary or Kiwanis or someone. And there was a, a real estate agent there. And he really liked my presentation. So then he invited me to come in and speak to his office workers. Well, so I arrived at the place and I went inside and then there was a conference room. Then he sat down and when he sat down, he just stared at me like a puppy dog. You know, when a puppy dog is waiting, sitting there waiting for you to, to, to throw the ball or to do, they're waiting for you to, to tell them what to do. 
So he just sat there like a puppy dog. And so then the other people came in, and then I saw that as I was giving my presentation, there was a distraction, you know, a phone would ring or, you know, something that would distract from what I was doing. And I noticed that when that happened, he, he would look at them and then his eyes would immediately come back to me. He would look at them like, you know, stop making, stop distracting. And, but it didn't distract him because he just looked at what was going on and then he looked back at me again. So in other words, he was totally hypnotized. That's what I saw. He was hypnotized. And that's what you see now all over the United States, all over the world. You see many people that are hypnotized. Now, what hypnotized them? Well, the pressure hypnotizes. Lies hypnotize them. Fear hypnotizes them. See? And then once they start to fall into the hypnotic trance, then the hypnotist or whoever's in charge of this process tries to make sure that all attention remains focused on, you know, those in charge and that any distraction be eliminated or criticized or hushed. Mainly they like to hush anything that doesn't completely go along 100% with what they're trying to impress upon you. So how many of you have known a situation where there was maybe somebody who's like a criminal and he wants to recruit somebody to help him pull off a robbery? Let's put it that way. So he's a criminal. So he, he finds some young guy who, who really looks up to him, who thinks that he, the criminal, is really cool. And you can see the guy is sort of hypnotized. He thinks that this criminal is cool. So what does the criminal do who wants to recruit this guy and then get, get him to do the dirty deeds of doing robbery for him or selling drugs for him or whatever he wants? He tries to come between that person and his parents, for example. And between that person and other people who might see the criminal for what he is. You see what I mean? He tries to isolate that person, isolate him from good influences, and then he can impress his will. So this naive person will then do his bidding and become his henchman, you see? So there it is. So there's isolation. There's the narrative. And then they just overwhelm you with talk, 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 talk. Well, don't you see that going on? So you have all of that. And then you have, oh, you have so many of these techniques that are being used. But the problem is, it's put a lot of people to sleep. Call our toll-free advice line at 510 455 8851. That's 510-455-8851. Leave a message, and your question may be answered on the air. This is Jeremiah Trujillo. I'm a pianist and played some of the music that you hear on Shedding Shackles, such as Amazing Grace, a traditional Christian hymn in an arrangement by Jack Schrader. Thanks for listening. See, here's the thing. When you start to wake up to what's going on, the important thing is don't get 
upset. Don't become resentful. Just see it clearly. See it. See it in all of its ugliness. Don't resent seeing it. Don't resent the people who are perpetrating it. Just see. You understand? Yes, you can be indignant. But don't resent the people or what's going on. Don't hate them. Don't get angry at them. Yeah, there's a kind of, a, of an anger that's... Um, it's an anger, but it's not an emotional anger. It's a kind of a resolve. It's like, oh, no, you're not going to do that to me. I don't think so. See, that's okay, and that's good. But anger where you get emotionally angry is not good. So watch out for that. It's all right to see clearly, see sternly sternly what's going on, but don't become angry in an emotional way. See, they want you to become angry. Why? Because when you become angry, first of all, you defeat yourself. When you become angry, you do dumb things, don't you? When you become angry, you know, even if you get angry at a thing, you get angry at a at a some object you're trying to take apart, then what's going to happen? Pretty soon you're going to Make a boo-boo and break, break part of it or drop it or something. Or when you're angry, you say the wrong thing. Or when you're angry, you start to get a tummy ache. You start to get a headache. You start to get an eye ache. See what I mean? So you defeat yourself. And then the other thing is then you feel guilty. See, if you become resentful and, and hateful toward someone, then you feel guilty for it because we're not supposed to be resentful toward other people. So then you feel guilty. And then in your guilt, what do you end up doing? Well, you end up doubting yourself, thinking, well, maybe I'm wrong. Or worse yet, then you, you feel so guilty that you try to make up to them. How many of you have felt really guilty and then you go and try to make up? See, well, that, that's what you end up doing. And that's what they want, because that's how they get you. See, if you comply, if you just go along like a zombie, like a sheep, like a dupe, like a, a naive person like a totally bamboozled person. You just go along because that's the way you've been trained to go along. See, and then, and then they give you a reward. They tell you how good you are and how helpful you are and how patriotic you are and how what a good person you are. Well, they've got you there. But if you become angry, angry in an emotional way, and then you're so angry that you become guilty then you come back and try to make up, and then they got you again. They accept you back. See? So they got you that way. And if you become angry, and then you, you say the wrong thing, and do the wrong thing, and uh, make a mess out of things, and you look bad, then they point the finger at you. See? So they got you there, too. They can make you look like you're just dumb, or crazy, or, or out of control, or a troublemaker. So you have to be as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. Who said that? Christ said it. As wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. You have to see clearly. So now you understand 
the people in Germany or the people in France. See, the people in Germany or the people in France who were occupied by the Germans, for example, or the people in Holland or, you know, the Netherlands. So I remember my stepdad, a very nice man. He was in Holland when they were overrun by the Nazis who came in to take over their country. And he fought them. And twice, twice he escaped. Yes, they tortured him. One of the things they did is they got a great big steel pan. They would get this big steel pan and they would put it over his head. And then they would pound on it with hammers. That's right. They would pound on it. And they damaged his hearing. Twice he was in a boxcar heading toward the uh, concentration camp where he would have died for sure. Twice he escaped. So, but now it's kind of like that in the United States, isn't it? Now there's tyranny, a terrible, terrible tyranny. And so you see it. So you have all the elements of it. You have tyranny, you have censorship, you have truth is suppressed. How, how often ha, had, have we been warned about that? Like in Russia, remember Alexander Solzhenitsyn came and tried to warn us. He, he tried to warn us. He saw that it was coming in the United States, and he tried to warn us. And he talked about truth and how important it is. And he talked about how truth is suppressed. Remember the Gulag Archipelago? People were put off in... Uh, concentration camps in uh, what they called the gulag. And that's where he was. So there you have it. Truth is suppressed. And so that's it. So now you have to wake up. Wake up. Don't resent what you see. Just see it. And then, you know, you remember there was Corey Tinboom. Remember Corey Tinboom? She was a lovely lady. I think she was also in Holland, if I remember correctly. And she was a, a young girl, and they helped Jews to escape from the Nazis. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So she she was also an, that type of a person. And then there was I saw a nice doctor who escaped from uh, communist China, and she, I recently heard her on uh, the radio, and she was uh, she was talking about uh, uh, biological weapons and so on. And she escaped from there, and she's in great danger because she's speaking the truth. She's speaking up, and uh, it's not. It's frowned upon. So, um, so there you have it. But it's always been that way, hasn't it? But now it's just sad to see it here in the United States because we had such a beautiful country. Oh, we had a beautiful country. was so beautiful and it still is it still is a beautiful country but you have people who who are traitors and people who do not love the united states and people who are greedy and people who are dupes and people who uh, are selfish and go along for some selfish advantage and there are people who have a sort of uh, a spiritual cowardice I don't know how to, to explain it. It's like, 
you know, you're on the playground and then there's a bully and then he's going to, he's threatening some innocent kid. And you're standing there and you could say something. You could probably say, hey, get two or three of your friends together and, and just stop the bully. Come between the bully and that innocent person. But somehow you can't rouse yourself to say anything. You just stand there and watch. Remember, years ago there was, there was a great outrage in the United States because I think it was in New York City or something where some person was being mugged on the street and they screamed and screamed and screamed and they, and they kicked. They were putting up a fight and this went on for a long time and people opened their windows and looked out and they just looked and nobody did anything. Nobody said anything. And so there's a kind of a moral cowardice. So there's people who know what's going on, but they just, they're cowards. And so they don't say anything. And they do the bidding of the masters who tell them what to do. So there you have that. So all I can say is there is God and there is good and there is truth. And there are the children and the children. We must protect the children. And that's all I can say. After a lifetime of concessions, you don't know how to speak up without becoming angry and upset or suppressing and holding everything in. You have to find how to speak up and state your points clearly, but without anger, without resentment. If you can learn to do that, then you can begin to express yourself and flow spontaneously like you once did when you were a little child. But you can't do it on your own. You need help. You need God's help. You need his light in which you must learn to trust. And the way you find the light is to learn to be still and yearn for something good, something pure, something noble. Yearn for it with all your heart, and God will answer. And with the help of the little meditation, maybe you can begin to access that light and flow from it and live in it and love it and walk in the light. Your family needs you to be such a person. They need you to be strong, but not angry. They need you to see clearly and not doubt. And... You can help them tremendously by that and by not being impatient and by not being angry and by being calm. They need to see you calm and God will help you with that also. Until next time, Lord willing, and the Greek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is sheddingshackles.com. Please remember that Shedding Shackles is listener-supported. Thank you.
Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.